Well, this is the time of year when everybody's thinking about the new year, making New Year's resolutions and plans for what we're going to do in the new year. And as I began thinking about New Year's resolutions, I thought, what are the most common New Year's resolutions? And so I looked it up, and I found they are to exercise more, eat healthier, get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, save more, spend less, or quit some kind of bad habit. Whenever I was looking at those, I noticed that all of those are worldly things, and they're pretty much self-centered. They're not godly things, focusing on the eternal things. I also found a study, a Barna study, where David Kinneman, president of Barna Group, commented on its findings, saying that only nine out of more than a thousand surveyed respondents mentioned that one of their objectives for the new year was getting closer to God in some way. Even in the rare instance when people would mention spiritual goals, it is often about activity undertaken for God rather than a personal pursuit of God. And so this morning in our passage that we're going to be looking at, Paul is not going to be talking about New Year's resolutions, but he does talk about making a spiritual plan for our lives. He says in this passage of scripture that we are to walk wisely, making the most of our time because the days are evil. And so what we need to be doing is we need to be planning, we need to be scheduling our time that we have here on this earth. And we need to be making our plans spiritual, things that are on the eternal rather than the temporary things of this world. You know, oftentimes we as Christians, we say that God is the priority of our lives. But whenever we look at our schedules and at our, at our planners and at our calendar, is God truly the priority in our lives? You know, some people, they said, well, you know, I couldn't make it on the Sunday after Thanksgiving because, you know, I went and I was with family and we got back home on Thursday. And so I needed Sunday as a day of rest so I could get ready for the work week that I had ahead of me. So is Sunday and being with God the priority or is the work week the priority? priority in our lives. You know, sometimes people even like this last Sunday, it was the Sunday after Christmas. Well, you know, I celebrated Jesus' birth all the day before. And so, you know, I decided on Sunday, I was just going to stay at home and rest and relax. And so is Jesus really the priority in our lives? Is, is he really the priority? And we see him as the focus of our lives. What about in our daily lives, in our quiet time? You know, I see oftentimes people be, are making up excuses. Well, you know, today's Sunday, so I skip my quiet time because, you know, I'm here at church and I, I'm with all these other believers, so I don't need my time alone with God. I mean, I'm going to spend two hours worshiping him and going to grow group and studying his word, so I skip today. And, you know, tomorrow's Monday and it starts a new work week and, you know, I've got a lot to do, so I'm, I'm going to take that 30 minutes of, of time that I would usually have my quiet time and I'm going to head on off to work. And then Wednesday or Tuesday, you know, I did good. I had a great quiet time. I spent my time with the Lord Wednesday. Well, I got church on Wednesday night, so that takes care of Wednesday. And then Thursday, you know, I had a good quiet time. Friday had a good quiet time. And you know, Saturday, well, that's a day of rest. And so, you know, I thought I'd let God rest too. And so, you know, we, we don't have our quiet time. We have our excuses for why we don't put God as the priority in our lives. But 
he is to be the priority in our lives. He's not just to be the priority on Sunday mornings. He's not just to be the priority at the beginning of our day. He is to be the priority in every, in every, in every aspect of our lives. In the morning, whenever we get up, whenever we, we go off to work, we need to be spending time with God. In our family, he is to be our priority. In our job, he is to be our priority. In our hobbies, he is to be our priority. He is to be the priority in our lives and we need to make him that way. And so we need to have a plan to put God as the priority in our lives. And that's one of the things that Paul talks about in this passage. In Ephesians chapter five, verse 16, he says, let's be making the most of our time because the days are evil. If we don't plan out our time, then the evil world that we live in will eat up our time. We'll be wasting the time that we have here on this earth that God has given to us. And so in our plan, what do we want to do? Well, we want to be wise. We want to gain wisdom from God. And that comes from spending time with him and spending time in his word. We'll talk more about that. And then we want to be filled. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to have control of our lives rather than us taking control. We think we know what is the best way, but God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, knows the best way. We need to allow him to take the wheel. We need to be together. We need to be together. It's important that we come together as fellow believers to lift up our voices in praise and adoration to our Savior, Jesus Christ, to our God and Father who created us and made us. And so we'll talk about that. And then finally, we'll see that we're to be thankful. Whenever you look back to all those New Year's resolutions that were all about me and what I need, you know, sometimes we worry more about what we don't have rather than what we do have. And we don't take time to be thankful for all that God has given to us. So let's begin thinking about our passage of scripture this morning. But in order to do so, let's get a flow into this. This is the, the book of Ephesians is Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus that he set up this church and he's writing them a letter. And he's given them some theological truths in the first few chapters. Then he gets to chapter four, verse one, and he gets really practical. And he, he, he urges them and he urges us. He says, therefore, walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So we're to walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called. And what are we called? We're called saints. We're called new creations in Christ. We're called children of God. But are we living in a way that is walking worthy of what we're called? And notice it doesn't say no about the worthy things. It says to walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called. So we need to take the information that we know and we need to put it into practical application. We need to live it out in our lives. We need to walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called. He goes on in verse 17 and says, don't walk like you formerly were, like the Gentiles walk, but walk as children of God. So we don't want to walk as unbelievers. We want to walk as believers. And then he tells us how to do that in chapter five. He says, walk in light, walk in love, and walk in wisdom. In Ephesians chapter five, verse one, he says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for you and offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. 
And so we are to walk in a way, walk in love, and what kind of love? It's a sacrificial love. And the love, as we've talked about before, is an action. It's something that we do, just like walking is something we do. We don't just tell God that he's the priority in our lives. We show him by making him the priority in our lives, by putting him as first in our plans. He goes on in verse 8 of chapter 5 and says, You were formerly darkness, but now you are lights in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So now we are to walk as children of light. We are to live in such a way that people see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. We are called to be lights in this crooked and perverse generation among whom we live. And so we want to be lights. We want to walk in light, showing the light of the world to all of those who are around us. And then that takes us to the beginning of our passage that we're going to see this morning where we are to walk in wisdom. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. And a wise man plans how he's going to spend his time. So as we begin to look at our passage this morning, I'm going to focus on verse 16 and talk about the, the planning aspect, and then we'll hit 15 through 17, talk about gaining wisdom, and move on through the passage from there. So look with me at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. As believers, we must be planning. We must be making the most of our time. We must be intentional with our time because if we don't, the evil world that we live in will eat up our time. Not necessarily causing us to do evil. It's not that we're gonna go out there and do evil things in the world, but the evil world will eat up our time. Our time will be wasted doing things worldly and self-centered rather than doing things that are for others and eternally purposed and things for God. So we have to make the most of our time. I was listening to the radio the other day and, and whoever was speaking said something similar to this. When good things replace the best things, they can become bad things. When good things replace the best things, they can become bad things. Let me give you a couple examples. First of all, we all in here know that golf is a good thing. You know, I enjoy golf. I get to spend time with my friends, um, playing golf with them. I get to meet new people. I get to see God's creation whenever I go out and play golf. But let me ask you this. What if I decided on Sunday mornings that I was no longer going to come to church because, you know, golf is a good thing, and so I'm going to go golfing on Sunday mornings. Now, golf, which is good, now that it replaced the best thing, being at church and studying God's word and being with fellow believers, it has become a bad thing. And that's what happens. If we're not making the most of our time, sometimes our time is getting eaten up with good things and they become bad things because they replace the best things. Let me give you another example. You know, reading books, there, it's, it's good to read books, to get information, know what's going on. It's good to read the newspaper, you know, to know what's going on in the world. But if you say, well, I don't have time to read the Bible because I'm reading this book, or I don't have time to read the Bible because I read the newspaper in the morning and so I can't have my quiet time, then reading that book or reading uh, the newspaper becomes a bad thing. Let me even go to this extent. 
devotionals. Devotionals can become a bad thing. If you replace your time in God's word by just reading a devotional, it can become a bad thing. Devotionals are good when they're used in addition to God's word, but if they replace God's word, then they can become a bad thing. And so we need to not replace the best things with the good things because then the good things become bad things. In Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, he warns that good is the enemy of great. And how we spend our time is going to determine how good we are. If we waste our time, there's no way to get it back. There's only 24 hours in each and every day. There's only 365 days in a year. So we must plan how we're going to spend our time if we want to use it wisely. There is the saying, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. So with that being said, let's think about what our plan of having a spiritual plan should look like. And I see that there's four things that we see in this passage that we've talked about. We want to be wise. We want to be filled. We want to be together. And we want to be thankful. We want to have those things as a part of our plan. So look with me back to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 where he says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Notice there's negatives and positives in verses 15 and 17. The negatives are we're not to be unwise and we're not to be foolish, but what are the positives? We're to be wise and we're to understand what the will of the Lord is. So an unwise person simply lacks wisdom, but a foolish person on purpose leaves out God. You know, so many times, or if if you look back to those resolutions that we looked at, they're what? They're all selfish and they're all worldly. They leave out God. As uh, the president of Barna Group, he said, you know, people are leaving out God. So let's make a plan. Let's look at a plan, the plan that Paul has for us to make God a part of our lives, to make him a priority in our lives, to put him on our plan and our our list of things to do. We know that wisdom is found, so if we want to be wise, we know that wisdom is found in God's word. You know, there's a lot of smart people in the world, but that doesn't mean they're wise. There are even people who know a lot of Bible, but that doesn't make them wise. Wisdom comes from the knowing God's word and then living it out in our lives, and that's what we are called to do. So if we want to be imitators of God, if we want to be children of God, we've got to spend time with God so that we can be like God, and we've got to know what God is like, so we've got to dig his word. And let me tell you, I'm saying you need to put this on your plan as as things to do. Being at church on Sunday morning, having a quiet time, we need to put those on our our plan, our, our list of things to do. But we don't do that because, you know, it's something that's commanded of us to do. We shouldn't see that on our calendar and see it as a burdensome thing that we have to do. We should see it as a privilege that we get to, to spend time with our heavenly father, the creator of the world, our savior, our redeemer, our comforter, our counselor, our friend. We should see that as an exciting time, something that we get to do each and every day. God loves us. 
And he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants fellowship with us. He wants intimacy with us. And that's what we're talking about. What we're going to start talking about here at this first part is not coming together to church on Sunday mornings. We'll get to that in verse 19. But what we're talking about here is having intimacy with the Lord, having time alone with him. Just as John talks about in John chapter 15, if we abide in him and his word abides in us, then we can produce much fruit. If we want to produce much fruit, it all starts by having an abiding relationship with the Lord. First John is all about abiding in Christ, having this built up relationship, being in fellowship with him, walking and talking with him as we go through life. So, if we're going to have an intimate time with God, it doesn't happen in a group setting. You know, if you're going to want to have intimate time with somebody, you're not going to take them to a football game. You're not going to take them to a movie. You're going to want to get someplace where you're alone, where you can talk to them, where you can look them in the eye. And that's what God wants with us. And so the first part of our plan, if we want to be wise people walking in wisdom, we need to make our daily quiet time a precious jewel in our plan for this new year. God desires intimacy. He wants to be with us. You know, there's the old saying, it's not what you know, but who you know. We want to get to know our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we want to have a daily quiet time with him. A wise person will slow down his walk. He'll walk intentionally, putting what is best first. You know, Jesus made this an example as well in his life. If you look at Mark chapter 1, Jesus was beginning his ministry and uh, he was beginning to heal people. And so he went into, the home, into this home and um, it says, Whenever after the sun had set, then all of the town, all of the town was coming to him. All of the people who were sick and demon possessed, they were all coming to him. And if you look over in Luke chapter four, the same account, God didn't, Jesus didn't do what he could have done and said, hey, everybody here today, you're healed. See you later. I got to go to bed. He didn't do that. It says in Luke chapter 4 that he individually touched the lives of those people, that that's how he healed them, and he removed the demons that were within them. And that same Jesus that touched those lives wants to touch your life, wants to touch my life. That's the kind of God he is. He wants to have intimacy. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to be in fellowship with us. But Jesus, what did he do? After healing all those people, after the sun went down, so he started his work after the sun went down, he did catch a few hours because it says early in the morning while it was still dark, he arose and went off to a secluded place so he could be in prayer and he could spend time with his heavenly father. And so if it was that important to Jesus that he would work through the night, get a couple hours of sleep, and he would rise early in the morning to spend time with his heavenly father, he being perfect without sin, how much more important should it be for us as sinful fallen people? We need to make our daily quiet time a priority on our list of things to do. And 
If we want Christ to be the priority in our lives, I said, he's not just priority early in the morning. He is to be our priority as we go throughout the day. We need to communicate with him as we go throughout our day. We need to communicate with him on our, on our commute to work. We need to spend time in prayer and talking to God and telling him the things that are getting ready to happen as I go to my day. And then whenever we stop for mealtime, we need to communicate with God. We need to pray to God, thank him for the provision that he has given to us. Whenever we go to bed at night or we put our children to bed at night, then we need to communicate with God. He is not to be the priority first thing in the morning. He is to be the priority in every aspect of our life, in everything we do through each and every day. But if we want Christ to be the priority in our lives, we don't just have a daily quiet time. We don't just communicate throughout the day. If we want to understand what the will of the Lord is, then we also need to study God's word. We've got to get into God's word and we've got to study it. We've got to dig it. I love 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, study to show yourselves approved to God. And so we have to study if we're going to show ourselves approved to God. You know, there's many people in this world who can fake it until they make it. You know, I can act like I know something and, and I can trick the world or those around me, but there is no tricking with God. He knows the thoughts and intentions of our heart. If we want to be approved by God, then we've got to study. We've got to dig the word of God. If we want to exercise his will in our lives, we've got to know what his will is. And so we have to dig. We have to study his, his word. And you know what happens whenever we study God's word? Romans 12, 2 says that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds with God's word. And so we're transformed. We're changed to be more like Christ. And what are we ultimately to do? We're to be be imitators of God as beloved children. And so as we get into God's word, it helps to make us like he wants us to be. So we need to study his word. And wisdom is more than just knowing the word. It consists of living it out in our lives, being imitators of God. We don't just want to be book smart. We want to be street smart. You know, Ezra had the purpose and the plan in his life. It says, for Ezra purposed in his heart. That means he made a plan for his life. I have purpose for my life. And what the purpose for his life was, was to study the word of God, to practice it, and then to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. You know, there are a lot of people who know information about the Bible, but unless they walk it and they live it in their lives, then you can't be the teacher that God wants you to be. Because we don't just teach in word, we are to teach in word and deed. And so, we don't want to be an imitation, a counterfeit. We want to be seen as imitators of Christ, as beloved children. And in order to do that, we need his power. We can't do this in our strength, in our own power. We need his power within us. And that's what Paul goes on to say next, is that we have that power within us, but we just have to give the power of ourselves over to him. You see, there is a battle that's going on inside of every one of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. We have the old man, the natural bent to sin, the flesh within us, but we also have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And there's a battle going on inside of there, the flesh against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. They're contrary to one another so that we may not do the things that we please. And so 
What do we need to do? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to feed the Holy Spirit. Look at what he says in verse 18. He says, and don't get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, again, here's the negative. Don't get drunk with wine, but in contrast, the positive is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an illustration. Don't get drunk with wine because what does wine do? What what does drinking alcohol do? It usually leads to bad things. You know, I've seen some good people do some bad things whenever they get alcohol in their system. I've seen people get up and and dance on tables, things that they would not naturally do, but they do it whenever they're under the influence of alcohol. And they're up there dancing, and then somebody takes a video of them, shows it to them the next day, and they say, no, that that wasn't me. I I would never do that. Yeah, that's you. You know, it's, it's right here on the video. No, it wasn't me. It was the alcohol talking. It was the alcohol that caused me to do it. But weren't you the one that took the drink of alcohol that led you to get drunk, that put you in the position that you were in? It is ultimately does go back to you. But just as that is a negative thing, in the positive way, we don't want to do what is natural. We want to do what is supernatural. So how do we do what is supernatural? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? I like what Lewis Perry Schaefer says. It's not about getting more of the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit getting more of us. You see, the Holy Spirit indwells in each and every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ. He's in there and he is fully God. But he is waiting to be ignited. And the way that we ignite him in our lives is we're, we spend time alone with God and in his word and we're filled with God in our lives and then we just say God it's not my will but thy will be done I know I think I know the best way to go here but God if you want me to go some other way if you want to use a circumstance or a situation to change me to to bring me closer to you then God your will be done That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We give control, we give power over to him. So we need to spend time in God's word, igniting the Holy Spirit who is residing in us. There's an old saying I used to hear, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you put in is gonna come out in your lives. If we put garbage in our lives, garbage is gonna come out. But if we put in God's word, if we're abiding in Christ, we're spending time in intimate relationship with him, if we're, we're feeding ourselves on God's word, then you know what's gonna come out in our lives? The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Man, isn't that how we want to be characterized? Don't you want to walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called? Someone who is a child of God, someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't you want to be characterized by being a person of God with joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness flowing out of your lives? Don't you want to go to a church that is full of people who have the Holy Spirit filling their lives? And if we were a church that was like that, wouldn't people on the outside be breaking down our doors to get on the inside because they want to be with people like us and they want to be like us, then we need to make a plan to make that a part of our lives. We need to put God as the priority of our lives in the way we spend our time alone with him. 
So we don't want to do what is natural. We want to do what is supernatural. So just as the alcoholic person, you know, blamed everything and they couldn't do, they did things that they wouldn't naturally do. Well, the same thing is true on the positive aspect for us. You know, what I'm saying here is like many people, they say, well, you know, I can't share the gospel with somebody um, because, you know, I just don't know enough information. I'm a shy person. I, I could never um, talk to a family member, a friend, or especially not a stranger about Jesus Christ because, you know, I'm just not that kind of a person. It's not natural for me. But we don't want to do what is natural. We want to do what is supernatural. And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you know what's going to happen? We're going to go out there. We're going to be able to talk to people because God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, of fear, but of power and love and discipline. He's living inside of us. And whenever we do that, whenever we go out and we share the gospel with people and we get excited, you know what we say? That wasn't me. I wouldn't naturally do that. That was God in me. Who gets the glory? God does because it's God's power through you and me. That's the way we want to live our lives. That's a supernatural life. So let's ignite the power that is within us by doing what I've already said, by spending quality time alone with God, spending time with him as we go throughout our diet day, digging his word so that we'll know his will in our lives, so that we'll exercise that in our lives. But we want to do even more. We want to be together. We can't do it on our own. We can't just go out there and just us and God change the world. We need each other. We need this body of believers. We need to come together. We need to come together to worship our Savior Jesus Christ, but we also need to come together because it's good for us as individuals, but it's also good for the body as a whole as we come together. So look with, ver look with me at verse 19 where Paul says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The first thing that jumps out there is the words one another. We need to be together. We need one another. We need corporate worship, speaking together with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. A quiet time is important. Individual Bible study is important. But coming together as a fellow believers is important as well. In Genesis, in the garden, God made Adam. And God and Adam were alone together. But God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. You see, we need each other. It is important, it's vital for each and, our, each and every one of our individual lives to come together and to be with one another. Hebrews 10, 25 says, seek not forsaking the assembling together, which is habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we don't need to make it a habit of staying at home. Now I know that COVID's going on and, and people are, are scared and they're staying at home, but in all truthfulness and actuality, it's not good for you as the individual and it's definitely not good for the body as a whole. We need one another. We need the encouragement that comes from fellow believers as individuals. And we need to be here to encourage other people. And then Paul says in, in Ephesians 4.16, he's already said it in this book, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the building 
up of itself in love. And so each individual member of the body needs to be playing their part so that the body can function, so that the body can grow. So we all have a part in the ministry. We all have a role to play so that the body can grow and function properly. And that takes us to our final verse. Man was not made to be alone. We need to be with one another. But finally, the final verse, verse 20, is we need to think about being thankful. You know, as we looked at those list of things at the beginning, they were all self-centered. They were all about things that, that I want for me. But when we look at New Year's resolutions, remember, it's not all about me. It's not all what I want for me. So let's look at God's word, verse 20. It says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So let's be thankful. Let's be thankful for what we do have and quit worrying so much about what we don't have. You know, we've already seen this morning that God has given us what? He's given us time. He's given us time to use. We're here another day, not for our own self and for our own good, but for the good of other people and for his glory. Is that the way we're living? But thank him for the time that we have, we have been given. He's given us eternal life as a gift. It's not based on our goodness, our righteousness, but as a gift, he's given us eternal life. Isn't that something that we should be thankful for? What about his word? He's given us his word so that we can know who he is, what he's like, and how we are to live our lives. So shouldn't we want to dig his word? Shouldn't we be thankful for his word? He's given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do things that we could never do on our own in our own natural power. He's given us one another to build us up, to encourage us so that we can come together and worship our Savior and have a good time of fellowship and, and you know, laughing and and having a great time, so we should be thankful for one another in the body. So let's don't worry so much about what we don't have, and let's be thankful for what we do have, as we're always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. Notice the words always, always giving thanks for all things. That means we give thanks in the good times and the bad times. You know, everything in our lives right now are not good. You know, we're all struggling. We've got something that we're dealing with, something that, that we need God's strength and God's power for. And so we need to be reaching out to him. We need to be using him. But we are also to be thankful in all circumstances. God knows the end from the beginning. We need to trust his will and his ways as uh, Brent was talking about. We need to understand that God's ways are not always our ways. His thoughts are not always our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And so what do we have to do? We just have to trust him and he'll make our path straight. He'll send us down the road that we need to go. So let's trust God. Let's be thankful in the good times and bad. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even to the Father. You see, Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. For unbelievers, he's the way to the Father in that through him, he made the way of salvation available to anyone who would believe in him. 
You see, the baby who was born in Bethlehem that we celebrated his birth just a few weeks ago is the savior of the world. He left the glories of heaven. He became a man. He lived on this earth. He died willingly on the cross for your sin, for my sin, for the sin of the entire world so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So if you're here today or you're listening online today and you don't know what would happen to you if you were to die today, let me tell you, if you believe in the person of Jesus Christ who died and rose again for you, he offers you as a gift eternal life. You'll be eternally with him forever. And that doesn't begin at some point in time in eternity or in the future. It begins today at the moment you believe in him. You have a relationship with him that will go on forever. For those of us who are believers, Jesus Christ is our go-between. He is our intercessor and he is our advocate with the Father. You see, before Jesus Christ came and paid the penalty for sin on the cross, there was a veil that, that divided God from the people. And so at the moment that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that veil was torn from the top to bottom, making the way for us to go boldly to the throne of grace, to ask him for whatever it is that we need in our lives and to be thankful for all that he has given to us so we can go to God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. Let's be thankful for what we have. Let's be thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he did, making the way of salvation and the way available to get directly to the Father. So what have we seen this morning and what applications can we make as believers? We should be walking into this new year, not with New Year's resolutions, but with a plan, a spiritual plan to live for God. So let's be planning. Let's be making the most of our time. If we don't make the most of our time, if we don't plan our time wisely, then the world is going to eat up our time. We're going to be wasting our time. We're going to be wasting our time doing things like Facebook, watching um, crazy TV TV shows. We're going to be wasting our time doing things that are maybe good, but we're replacing them, replacing what is best with those things that are good and they become bad. So let's be planning our time. We don't just plan by the day. We need to plan by the hour and make sure we're making the most of our time. We need to, in our planning, we need to be wise. So we need to make our quiet time as vital, as important. It's seen as a precious jewel that's on our list of things to do on a daily basis. We need to spend time with him as we walk and talk, as we go through life in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, we need to communicate with God and he needs to be the priority in our lives on Sunday mornings that we don't just look at our, our somebody asks us, what do you want to do today? Well, uh, you know, I, we can go on Sunday and we can go fishing or we can go golfing. No, look on my calendar here. I've got to go to church. This is the priority in my life. I don't override it with other things. It's a priority in my life. So then we need to be filled. As we gain wisdom, we're, we fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. We allow him to have control of our lives. And that's what we need to be doing in our lives, allowing him to have control so that what comes out in our lives is the fruit of the Spirit, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the way that we want to be characterized, the way that we want the world to see us so that they'll want to be like us as we are like Christ. And then finally, we need to be thankful. 
remembering what all, or we need to be together. We need to be together as corporate body of believers coming together to worship our Savior Jesus Christ, to be encouraged, to be trained, to be equipped so that we can scatter out into this community. And finally, we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful for all that God has given to us because we're blessed beyond measure. We have abundantly beyond what we're, we could ever ask or imagine. Just to think that the, the God of all creation wants to have a relationship with you and with me wants to spend time with us on a regular and everyday basis, then that should be something that we're thankful for. And we need to give him thanks. So let's replace the common New Year's resolutions of diet and exercise with a spiritual plan of feasting on God's word. Let's don't diet, let's feast on God's word. And that will lead us to exercising his will in our lives.